UJFM in the forefront of global excellence. UJFM shaping the future. Right now, we are going to be joined uh, by Dr. Blade Nzimande. That is the Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation. If you just tuned in. We are broadcasting live from the University of Johannesburg, Fontaine campus, where now the Department of Science and Innovation and the University of Johannesburg is launching the 3D, uh, three-dimensional printing construction initiative for sustainable uh, human settlement. And of course, if you are a fan of 4IR, uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution, technology and all of that, and also construction uh, being amalgamated with uh, this new groundbreaking technology and just new ways of doing things then you do want to stay tuned on this one. Uh, we have with us Dr. Bladen Zamande, the Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you, and thanks for inviting me to UJ. Yay! Yes. Wow. Yes. Thank There's you so much. There's another excitement, of course, that you have got such an important platform with you. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us, Minister. Now, you are launching a project that could, of course, be significant in uh, the game changer for the housing in South Africa. Uh, contextualize for us why the department embarked on this initiative. Well, we have got what we call uh, a decadal plan, which is a 10-year program. Uh, for the Department of Science and, and Innovation, mm-hmm. which builds on the experience that uh, we have had since, especially 1994, with mm-hmm. the democratic government, to say one of the key challenges we have is actually to support the modernization of oh, our economy. Excuse me about that, yes. And uh, science and innovation is very crucial in our department, therefore, in modernizing. We've got lots of projects. How do we modernize mining, you know, Yeah. Uh, so that you actually reduce accidents? How do you have new forms of manufacturing, like this one, additive manufacturing, which Mm -hmm. is 3D printing and all that? So it's part of our program as the Department of Science and Innovation in supporting the different sectors of our economy. We've got a number of of things that we've been doing that we've done. This is just one of the latest Mm -hmm. in terms of now using 3D printing to actually produce houses. And, of course, we are very pleased that we have been working with UJ, which has got a champion like your vice chancellor, Professor Marwala, outgoing, who is a champion, you know, of the uses of technology, modernization and so on. That's why we've actually partnered with UJ and we are having what we are having today. This thing has a huge potential. You know, to respond to social needs that we have, like housing. Mm -hmm. Now, looking at the backlog of uh, at least more than a million houses and the situation uh, that is um, exacerbated by the rapid urbanization, is this technology the solution to everything, to the housing and the urbanization? Will this be, especially looking at land? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm reluctant to actually present technology as the solution for everything because technologies are developing. But it certainly will make a huge, huge impact in terms of building of houses. Let me just give you one example, for instance, or two areas where it can make a big difference. Yeah. Apart from speeding up the building of houses that we are printing, building walls, you know, it can also support what government has been partly experimenting with in some areas, which is Self, you provide service sites, and then you say to people, there's water, there's sewage, 
you know, there's electricity. All you have to do is to go and build. Come build yourself. Mm-hmm. This can also even help now poorer people to be able to build because what you have got to do, your foundation and then the walls are built within eight hours and then you are able to build your roof and your own windows, you know, and so on. So there is that advantage. Secondly, this technology can really help us in responding to disaster. Like the disaster we had in it was in KZN. Yes. This technology can really provide relief in terms of quickly responding. You know, people don't sit for months, you know, in community halls because there's no alternatives in terms of, of property, you know, and so on. Of course, building generally, although I must say there is a challenge that as a country we have to balance mm. that we've got high levels of unemployment, you know, joblessness, you know, you can build quicker, but at the same time, the constructing industry, its advantage is that it's labor intensive, then it's able to provide more jobs. So we, we must be able to balance the two, but we can't sit back and say, because we've got joblessness, then we are not going to embrace technologies or in fact be driving technologies ourselves given the capacity we have as a country and some of our universities just because of that. Because we'll end up being left behind and overtaken by events and then we have got a much more disastrous situation than the one that we can handle better ourselves by being in the forefront of those technologies as we are doing in this case. Mm. Now you're talking about unemployment and uh, those that are disadvantaged. This, um, according to uh, an interview that we had earlier on, the materials are very expensive. They're very special. So it's not just any brick or any cement um, that has been exported. So how, which people are going to benefit from this? Uh, Talking about those that are unemployed and those that actually apply for these RTPHs, are they going to get this from the government or which people are going to benefit the most? Well, that question, I think, can actually best be answered by my colleague, for instance, the Minister of Human Settlement. I would like you pose that question no, to her specifically. I can only answer really in general terms. Government policies for housing is definitely biased towards the poor. You know, people who are in the middle classes who can afford them as buy or actually build for themselves. So our target is the poor, which means then the issue of cost and all that will have to be addressed. But also cost does get addressed by the scale of the project. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you scale up the project, you are likely to reduce the cost such that you are able to, to, to better able to actually uh, to respond. Also, as you know, always new technologies, they normally come expensive, but as you use them more, they, they actually become uh, more affordable. So all those issues will have to be looked into within the context of our strategy of providing houses for the working class and the poor. Minister, um, you spoke about how this may cause unemployment, right? In terms of skills development, uh, will we see more young people trained uh, in the new technologies of the future? Um, Will this make them more employable? Well, look, first of all, it doesn't destroy all the jobs in the construction industry, even in, 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 in building houses. Because all it does so far is walls. It builds them faster. You build the whole house in eight hours in a day, you know. But you're still going to put in the, the foundation, you know, the roof, you know, you have to paint, 
you know, and all those other things. By the way, also, by the way, this technology, its strength is such that you can extend using your old traditional bricks, you know, if you want your house actually to be bigger and so on. But also there are prospects of building, of creating new kinds of jobs, you know, with these kinds of technologies, which is also what I've said to my department. Let's not just look at the structure. Let's also look at the entire area of human settlements and see how we can be able. For example, one of the things I've said to my department, much as it is not our job, it's the job of the human settlement, mm-hmm. but this thing of building RTP houses where we chop down every tree, we remove every blade of, 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 of grass, and people are out there in the sun, and there's no planting of trees, you know, and so on. This we can actually use to begin to say, let's not just look at the physical structure. Let's also look at how we plant trees, how we plant grass, you know, and do all those things as a way also partly of compensating. In the process, you are actually creating more jobs. Of course, I'm excited about technology and young people. You know, this, such things, in fact, should just be the kind of thing that motivates our youth, yourselves. You know, into science, you know, into new innovation, technologies that will create new jobs. On our side, we are doing our best, for instance, to say our universities and our Tibet colleges must actually begin to train for new skills, like the hydrogen economy, for instance. We need new kinds of artisans that are going to be able to to deal with that. You know, as we move, for instance, uh, towards solar energy, you know, we need new kinds of training in order to be able to do that. That's what we are doing together with our universities and, and, and Tibet colleges. There are opportunities for young people. Much as there are threats to job, but there are new opportunities for young people, especially also for innovators, to deal with our own social problems of, of unemployment. Thank you so much, Minister. Thank you so much for blessing us with your time. Really, really appreciate you. I'm also honored to be interviewed by you, JF. (laughs) What honor for having you here, Minister. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Dr. Blade and Zamando, that one, that is a Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation. This is UJFM. UJFM. 95.5. UJFM. Shaping the future.